Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. What up? We're back. Welcome to Leafs Late Night. I'm your host, Roscoe, joined by Beaner. Steph, the fanalist, and presenting James of Offside Hockey Talk. Woohoo! Thanks for joining us tonight, James. No worries, guys. Thank you very much. My first podcast since being back from Florida, so I haven't even done my own show, so happy to be on. <laughs> Pleasure to have you. It's been a long time in the making. Yes. Uh, rough, rough night tonight. Rough night. But uh, before we do that, remember to like, subscribe, follow us, leave a rating, and check out InsideTheRink.com, where did ding 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 big no uh, big 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 announcement. We have merch available now. If you head over to InsideTheRink.com shop, uh, it's also on our link tree. If you head over to Twitter, uh, you can get T-shirts and sweaters in all different colors with different versions of our logo on it. Uh, we're gonna have more stuff coming soon, but the first run of everything is up. You can go ahead, get it there. Ships to Canada with uh, a bit of a charge. Sorry about that, but uh, we do. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, it's free shipping within the states <laughs> for any of our American fans, so that's cool. Um, but uh, we, yeah, we'll we'll try to get some more stuff on the shop as things move forward. But uh, go ahead and and grab the new stuff while it's there. Yeah, it's the beginning. It's day one of merch release, so. Bear with us, guys. We're going to have a lot more exciting things uh, to give you later on. But I just want to say quickly, thank you so much for coming on, James. Oh, my God. Guys, check out Offside Hockey Talk on Twitter, TikTok. This guy is everywhere. He has the best pump-up videos. Honestly, game day. I look forward to your videos, James. So thank you so much for doing that. Honestly, it gets me so pumped up game day. I appreciate it. No, it's fun to do. I love doing it. So myself, Curtis, other guys doing it too now. So it's fun to uh, to hype people up and have fun. I mean, it's what it's all about, really, to be honest. Yeah, yeah the whole thing is entertainment, right? And uh, actually, here, before we get into the game, let's have a little discussion about the entertainment of hockey, because I know I asked before we got on here if there was anything we wanted to talk about. But uh, something did happen that I want to talk about that I forgot about. Trevor Zegras scored a very interesting... Uh, goal the other night another michigan and uh apparently 29 seconds earlier somebody was offside so uh as is now the rule it was reviewed and called back is this what we want when we uh we get hyped up like you're saying james you know it's all about the entertainment of the game is this is this really what we signed up for no it's not and you know i'm a big proponent of uh if it's offside and the other team for whatever reason in their own zone has possession and that it goes back and forth. I think that should nullify the offside. It should. If the 100%. team had possession of the puck, tried to clear it, didn't clear it, puck stayed in, play getting around the board, whatever happened, it should nullify that immediately and allow the play to go forward. It happens in other sports where things are allowed to move on or you know move past whatever the infraction was. So I think that should be the way it is here. But for whatever reason, they want to go back. Imagine if a play is going on for two minutes, two minutes and 30 seconds, and then you go back that far to call something that happened. I, I don't think that's right. I think there should be a statute of limitation on how long you have to make that call. 
Yeah, it's like we said last time in the Leafs game where, uh, you know, Vegas was taking their time out in order to decide whether they were going to challenge or not. So it's like, great, let's just extend this even longer. Let's stop play for 10 minutes to decide whether a minute and a half ago or a minute ago or two minutes ago, somebody might have been an inch offside or weren't. Now, I will say this about the challenge, though. If you're going to put a limitation on time, a coach should be able to challenge anything throughout the game he deems to be something that interferes either with a goal for his team or a goal against his team and be able to throw some sort of flag to stop the play there so that way it doesn't keep going on. Just stop it, whatever, wave a thing on the bench and the ref calls it because there's something that was seen. That allows the thing to go on. It allows the game to be a little bit more cleaner as well because then refs can see things more in real time and be able to move forward, but it allows it to open Pandora's box a little bit more to challenge things that we've seen many, many times go either against the Leafs and we sit there and pound our fists like, why can't we review that? Or we've seen it be reviewed in other games. If a coach was able just to wave their little flag and say, hey, no, we're reviewing that. That's the play I want. And if he's wrong, he gets the penalty and they lose the timeout, just like you do now. But it's got to have a limitation of time on it. But I think that's what should be properly used, just like you see in football. Belichick was the best at it, pulled it out of the sock every time and threw it. That's what I think the coach's challenge should be. It should be a true coach's challenge. And I mean, look, we saw that almost happen. The refs are kind of on board with it, whether they realize they're allowed to or not. What was it, Colorado and the Rangers, where I think McCarr got a penalty in front of the net for high sticking, but it was one of the Rangers players mm-hmm. that high stick themselves. I think it was Lafreniere hit himself in the face or hit one of his teammates <laughs> in the face. And so the refs went and reviewed it and they're like, yeah, we made a, a bad call on that, but uh, we actually can't change it. So I don't know why we reviewed it. So well, they did with it, it's like, it's there remember, in Toronto. They took his penalty off the board after the four of them kind of leaned back and looked, they pulled him out of the penalty box. So that yeah. did happen. Consistency. Yeah, I, I want to toss this you, to Beaner here. Yeah, I saw you shaking your head there, so I'm really interested in your response right now. I I get where you're coming from, James, but it, I don't want this to turn into football. I like the fact that you can sit down and you can watch a full shift or a couple shifts without seeing people standing around doing nothing. Like, the whole... Uh, don't get me wrong, I like football. Not nearly as much as I like hockey, but the whole idea of slowing every single play down because that's what it would turn into and i i know it wouldn't start that way it wouldn't be intended to be that way but there would be coaches out there that would do that every single whistle they'd be reviewing something and well i think you would put a limitation on what you're allowed to do maybe well it's like it is now with the coaches challenge where if you lose it you you know you lose it right some coaches wouldn't care like you're going to have that crazy coach out there that wouldn't care. Like the only, I think the only reason why we haven't had a coach pull their goalie in three on three overtime is because then you lose the extra point. Right. Like it's, it's coming. If it's possible. Yeah. Oh, it it definitely (laughs) is. You see it, you see it done over in Europe all the time. Um, And the first time it happens over here, you're going to have someone screaming about why they didn't get that point because nobody knows that rule. Um, (laughs) I, I just, I think that's such a gray area with regards to reviews and I get it. You don't want anything major to happen to cause the outcome of a game or a playoff series or potentially a championship. Believe me, 
I love history. I know all about Carrie Frazier. I would love to have been able to bring <laughs> reviews back way back then. Buffalo Sabres fans are screaming right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, that that one we could get into a big debate about because they actually changed the, that rule before the playoffs started, but nobody remembers that. They had the, only the skate. Only, I was going to say, only you remember these things. <laughs> hey, I, I was eight years old. Like, come on. Um, His first tattoo. <laughs> So uh, I, I I like where you're coming from for that, and I I think your intentions are pure, but I don't think like it's such a slippery slope, especially when you have ooh a slippery slope argument. Internet loves those. You you, you have the 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 questionable officiating that we have seen a lot lately with all these new refs coming into the league, right? No, definitely. I just uh, look at it and there's so many different things, I think, over the years here for Leaf fans where we're like, if we were able to have that reviewed, you know, it would reverse a little bit of fortune here or there. And many teams can say that. I get it. It's just, I look at it and say, if you're going to implement something, it should be not dipping your toe in the water. It should be the full bore thing. And a coach's challenge shouldn't be just, here's a set amount of plays that you're allowed to review and that's it. I do think, though, that you should only be allowed X amount of game. So, I mean, if you're – remember when Mike Babcock first started using the Coach's Challenge and he was on Mm -hmm. point and getting probably two or three a game to start out with where he was getting them right and he wasn't getting his penalty taken away or whatever it was, and everybody was like, wow, this is amazing. I think you should have a limitation you can reach maybe – if you get three right, that's it. No matter what, you can't review anything else. So be very careful. Two right. I agree with you, Beaner, about slowing down the game. I don't want to do that, but I definitely would rather see a big play be able to be reviewed opposed to it not be. Just, again, seeing so many times that Leaf fans have had the knife turned, and if you can just pull <laughs> those out and pull it back for a little bit, it would be nice. But I get where yeah. you're coming from, too, about slowing down things. You want to be able to enjoy a game and enjoy the speed of it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as much as we want the game to be called right, what started this whole discussion is that, yes, that play was offside and it was missed, but Zegras still scored a goal that is more entertaining than having it reviewed and called back. So the challenge, you know, regardless of how we put it, that's a challengeable one and that gets called back because the offside was missed. The I think the point is that if we're going to start reviewing things for being offside, we got to shorten how long, like you said at the beginning, you know, once it changes possession or, you know, once it's been 10 seconds, like this is all nullified. But uh, Beaner, go ahead. I definitely agree with the change of possession. That should be it right then and there. Yep. If you have, same as like if you're waiting under the delayed penalty, if you have clear control of the puck, then that should completely negate any chance that, there would be for an offside to be to have th- that set play called against you. Um, you look at why the rule was brought in. The rule was brought in because of Matt Duchesne <laughs> with that ridiculous, yeah. what was it, tw- 12 foot offside? Oh God, he had to look missed. behind him for where the puck was coming from. Yeah, like it like... was so bad. But and, and this is this is what I want to reference when I'm saying that it, it would get taken to the next extreme. It was brought in to prevent that from happening. And now we've had to install high def cameras in the boards <laughs> on the blue line to make sure that, that we know if it's offside or not, right? But because that's, that's how it's going to escalate. Because you get this this industry where every point is so important. 
yeah, that people I mean, are going right. to be. Now it's breaking and the you're, you're going to have teams. The rule, right? Yeah, and you're going to have teams like the Leafs who they don't care. They'll invest in four, five, six video coaches that all they do is watch that damn camera on the blue line <laughs> to see, right? Like Camera f- finish every time. <laughs> <laughs> breaking down the millisecond videos and sometimes it's needed it literally turns series in the playoffs right so and we get so fucking frustrated oh my god but hey man if you're speaking about entertainment i get frustrated with the nhl with you know the all-star game or like the skills where they only focus on entertainment and i'm like damn show me some fucking skills guys like i don't want to see you pop out of a box as a magician on the ice so when it comes to actual gameplay you need to call that shit by the book and you know don't let shit slide because we're in it to win it we need this team to go all of the way there's no fucking around and tonight there was some calls that were not called like on Nylander behind the net from Latang just getting bashed there was a call from on Matthews missed he was tripped at Justin the blue Hall. line by Sidney Crosby Justin Hall so yeah man Tonight was frustrating to say the oh, least. Oh, but Tavares' hook was definitely a blatant hook, right? <laughs> well, after there's literally someone tripped behind him, but we got to call that. So, yeah, that's almost yeah. like one of the ones where you know you don't get a call in your favor. You bark at the refs, and the next thing you do, you're getting a penalty because you said something. Yeah, and then <laughs> or you're Gino Malkin who goes to the box twice and then comes out and scores and chirps at the refs. Hey, don't put me in the box again. I'm done with this. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, and uh, you know what's not going the least way this year either is Michael Bunting getting a lot of penalties called for him. He's taking a lot of abuse, getting hauled down, taking a lot of cheap pops here and there too along the boards. You could see it, and he used to get those calls last year. He got them a lot. He was probably, I think, he was in at the end of the season top three in drawn penalties in the league, and this season he's not. You know, Austin Matthews is definitely up there now this year after. Everybody kind of cried the blues for him, like Connor McDavid. But that was something I think the Leafs kind of counted on, was Bunting going in there, being the Brad Marchand greasy agitator, and getting them a couple penalties and getting them a couple power plays a game. James, you're absolutely right when it comes to bunting, maybe before your vacation. I know you've been out of the country for a little while, but tonight, (laughs) after bunting drew that penalty, he actually leads the league in penalties drawn in the NHL, which is is surprising to me as well, because a couple weeks ago, it wasn't like that. You were absolutely right. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yep, yep. And I was surprised to see the the tweet come out by Luke Fox tonight because, you know, like I totally agree with what you're saying, but man, bunting. Um, I mean, they put him back on the first line for a shift tonight, and that's when he actually drew the penalty in the third period, but got a feel for the guy, right? And Johnny, you you called it like <laughs> earlier in the offseason, like, <sighs> what if bunting doesn't play up to standard? And we just didn't want to think about it. Like, we didn't want to have this scenario in our minds. But. Yeah, and I think it. I don't want to make assumptions, but like when you come off of a season like that after, you know, having a, a kind of so-so start to your career, I think you kind of got a little comfy and expected the season to run the exact same way and just come out of the gates with the uh, the top guys and, and produce the same kind of points. But he's 
he's just not like, I mean, and look, he scored the first goal of the season. We said, look, great. Yeah. Bunting's the first one out of the gate. It's, you know, everyone else can, can go from here, but Bunting, at least he's going to start the season off yeah. well. And it's kind of just been downhill since, unfortunately. Yeah. Speaking of guys that are not really making the cut anyway, for the Pittsburgh Pens, we have Kasperi Kapanen, who's been Oof. scratched as a healthy scratch the last two games in a row. And he makes $3.2 million a season. So, and he's paid till the end of next season. So that was something we did not see coming as well. Can- yeah, and Andreas Janssen waved too. So both of those guys who, I mean, the Leafs Nation loved them and we hated to see them go, but like, unfortunate. Well, and, and let's just also touch on the fact that those are two players that are often cited by people that bash Dubas and the Leafs. Oh, yeah. oh how can you let Kapanen go? How can you let Janssen yeah. go? Look at these players. They're so great. They're much better than what you have right now. Really? Like, it, it Kapanen is such an enigma. The guy comes from a hockey family. He's been given every chance you can imagine because of that fact. He's got speed up the wazoo. Just he he can't put it all together. His his skill and his hockey IQ do not match whatsoever. No, he's a guy that, like you said, it is an enigma. He reminds me of Michael Grabner a little bit. Has all the speed in the world, just can't finish. And then, of course, Grabner popped mm-hmm. off for a couple 40-goal seasons. I don't think Kapanen will ever do that. But when he's on and he scores goals like for the Leafs, we all love the power play, or not the power play, the uh, the playoff goals that Kapanen scored. I don't know how excited you guys were yeah. in that game seven when he scored that one and everybody just freaking out. And that's the captain we all fell in love with. It's very easy to fall in love with your own guys, but both those guys at three and a half mil or 3.25 mil. I mean, what do we got in our lineup now? Dennis Malgan kind of looks better than captain at the moment and all the hype around mm-hmm. him. I don't want to see him move up in the lineup either, to be honest. If it's working, let something work. Instead of like moving guys around so much, get some continuity, get some flow, let guys gel together. You know, if you keep wanting to elevate and drop and you're never going to have any flow to your lineup. And I I always found that weird when something finally clicks and everybody's like, whoa, maybe he'll be better on the top line. But it's like, well, same thing with guys like Kappen and Janssen too. They bounced around the lineup in Pittsburgh and in New Jersey. I mean, these guys really didn't get a chance to, I don't think click. I mean, but if you're getting a chance to play the Crosby, you should damn well click. Well, and it's what we've heard about Mulligan from Keith is that, you know, he he's liked what he's seen from him, but he also doesn't want to move him from this spot that's working. So let's move on to from that. There were two lines, the the bottom two lines, one worked and one didn't. Let's start with the one that worked because everybody on Twitter loved it and said never split this up. That was David Kampf with Zach Aston Reese and um Oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Mulligan. Dennis Mulligan, of course. So this line should have really been the third line, but they were fantastic. They were the ones that were creating all the chances. They looked like, you know, a top six line. And like, you could fool me. Like Mulligan should be higher up in the lineup, but if this is what they can generate from uh, the amount of minutes they get while playing against, you know, other fourth lines, then great. Keep it that way. Yeah, no, the, the, the yeah. one thing... The one thing that you can use that line to do, um, like you were saying, don't break it up, let them build some chemistry, let them grow from this, right? Is use that to maybe cut back on minutes for everyone else. 
Like I know it's only November and we still have to gain points and it's, it's a long season ahead of us, but you know, cutting say Marner, he played 24 and a half minutes tonight. That's too much. Absolutely. He needs to be in that like 20 to 21 minute range. Yes. You might think, Oh, okay. Two and a half, three minutes. That's not that much, but you start adding an extra two minutes a game over the course of 82 games before playoffs that can make a massive difference. If you can get a line that can build some chemistry, can give the uh, opposition fits in their own end, and you're able to take some of those minutes away from the big guys, that third line is then not only going to be that much more valuable to you, but they're going to get that much more chances because you still have to put your best defensive pairs against your top two lines. Because no matter how much of a slump they're in, you can't sleep on a line with Matthews and Marner on it. And you can't sleep on a line with Tavares and Elander on it. So, no. And, if, and yeah. that's what generated a chance for somebody like ex Pittsburgh penguin, Zach Aston Reese to score, to open the scoring, which made everybody in Leafs nation so happy because it seems that, um, it's always the ex leaf that scores, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, if um, uh, Kapanen was playing tonight, he probably would have had a hat trick. So uh, it's just one of those things like our tinfoil hats grow, but prove us time and time again. But I was so happy to see Sar score tonight. And it was all thanks to Malgin as well. Just praising Malgin here, as you guys were just saying. Sorry, we just got to go to break for one sec. Just having a quick technical thing. We'll be right back. Thanks so much. And we're back. Sorry about that. Just quick little uh, adjustment and we are all good to go. So, like I said, Zach Aston Reese opens the scoring. It's always the ex-Leaf that scores, man. And that's so frustrating. So I think everybody had their money on. Um, I mean, is there an ex-Leaf? I feel like there's an ex-Leaf skating around in the lineup on the pens. That I'm forgetting about. Uh, Hollander, I think his name is. He was brought over in the deal for, uh, I think... McCann, I think it was Kapanen actually, and then sent back he, to Pittsburgh in the McCann deal. Yeah, right. he bounced around a couple times back and forth. Okay, well, I mean, you could just because of karma put your money on him scoring first, but instead we win. X Pen Zach Astrius opens the scoring. Always nice to see, and it was a nice shot too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little battle in front of the net and swung around, snapped her in. Yeah, man. Yeah, speaking of this fourth line, they've been the best line for the Leafs in the past week or so. I mean, Malgin gets this thing going, just boarding uh, Dumoulin along the boards to free up the puck. It just starts the cycle. Honestly, good on Malgin for taking that second and realizing he had a lot of ice to work with. Just walking into that shot, the rebound comes out. Easy money for Sar, you know, to get his second goal on the board this year. And good on him. Oh, my God. Cam with the secondary assist. Damn, that felt good. Especially after, you know, the Leafs couldn't really get their first power play going. Uh, they had a couple good ch- chances, but it eh, wasn't, the, wasn't the best. Yeah. <clears throat> that, and, uh, yeah go ahead. Uh, sorry, that, that first power play, though, like they didn't score on it. But is it they just me or was that, yeah, was that the most creativity and like fluidity you've seen from them all season, just moving it around? Everybody was like all over the place. It That looked like 
the Leafs team that you'd want to see. That looked like a team that's dangerous and can pretty much do what, like, impose their will on you, whatever they want. Yeah, everybody was shocked that they didn't score on it, especially because of, I mean, look, the Penguins, there was a stat that came up. When DeSmith is in net, they average 2.2 goals. Like, they literally score half the goals than they normally do when he's in net. So, <laughs> uh, I know. So the fact that they scored four tonight is frustrating. Um, but it just, it looked like of all goalies that you're going to score against and all power plays that should score, like, come on. Like, how did nothing go in here? I felt like the, the puck luck was definitely in Pittsburgh's favor tonight. Like, the amount of things that hit the post or went across. Well, who was it? Willie that had that one that, um, before he scored the, the power play goal, he had the shot that went like across the goal line, hit the inside of the post and came yes. out like, get out of here. That, so was many vin- of those. Yeah. that was vintage Spezza. <laughs> yes. Fake the shot, <laughs> deke him out. And... Yeah. Uh, on this power play though, there was a little finicky pass from Marner to Matthews right behind him. I don't know how he kept control of the puck. It was very impressive. No one thought he would keep it on his stick, but it went to Mar or went to the uh, Riley, I believe. And when I'm saying the power play was kind of eh, I don't know. They still seem a little sloppy to me. And I mean, a shot went off of Matthews. Another went off the skate of Marner. They're just Matthews and Marner specifically to me lately seem like they're not clicking as they should be. And Matthews in that high bumper position tonight completely threw me off. I mean, Ruda was all over him. He had no open ice whatsoever to make a chance. I thought they would try and rotate him off that that slot and different power play opportunities, but they didn't. I don't know why. Yeah, I'll, I'll fully agree with you there too. There was a couple passes that were in Matthew's feet. It was like things weren't clicking towards the end of the game. Of course, we know Nylander scored on yeah. one, but it just didn't seem that one pass in particular right into Matthew's feet on the power play. And he's instantly scored. It just doesn't, I don't know. It didn't seem like the first period power play like Beater was talking about, that was all world where they were moving the puck and people weren't stationary. It wasn't stagnant. People were moving around. It was all moving targets. Um, Something for me that I would like to see, and I know we probably won't because there's a lot of warts to his game right now, but I'd like to see Nick Robertson elevated to to a number one on the power play unit Um, just because of his speed, his creativity, I think he could really put some shiftiness into that the first unit and really make it work. I apologize, guys, if I'm a little off of the map. I'm still no not 100%. At all. Not at all. So You're great. I'm trying to gather my thoughts as I roll with it. But um, if you put him up there, you look at tonight, you talk about Dennis Malgan and how he's taking time here and there to make plays, and he's looking good. I'm looking at Nick Robertson, and I see the fact that he's so scared that he's going to be either out of the lineup or demoted, that he's flying at a million miles an hour and trying to do everything at top flight speed, where if he took it down just a little bit, he would have the same kind of space because he is great at creating space. We've seen it tonight. A couple of great A chances that he created off the wall, and he looked good. So if he takes it down just a notch, I think you know he'll be there, but he's so scared of losing his spot. I think if you elevate him to power play number one mm-hmm. and given him opportunity, maybe take off Tavares or whoever you want to take off that unit. I know we all love JT, but 
just give him an opportunity to roll through there with his speed and creativity. Imagine him and Mitch Marner just buzzing like two little bees. And then you got Matthews and Willie or Matthews and JT and Riley, everybody, or just go five forwards. Go crazy kooky dukes and put Marner on the back there to play. Hey, that's D. what we talked about, right? Like, yeah. I thought that was the whole thing. If Marner can play D, stick him on the back. Robertson in, in the air. Because look, we talked about this when Robertson scored his two goals against Dallas. He's got a spot, and it's at the top of the circle. He's got a one timer that's wicked. Those are things that you need on the first power play. Like, I I totally agree. He should be there by all means. You'd have two cannons on each side. You'd have Matthews and and Robertson. You can't stop them both. And nobody can stop Ovechkin, so why are they so easily <laughs> stopping Matthews? Give them, give them another option to stop, and there you go. You'll have Nick Robertson firing the puck, and Matthews will get more. I love just how quick. you bring Ovechkin up. Sorry, Johnny. Like that guy has been doing that same thing for seventeen years. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. if it's me, if I'm game planning against the Washington power play, I don't care if the other four guys score on me. I'm planting my ass in front of Ovechkin yeah. on that circle. And I'm not going to be like that power play or that penalty kill is not going to have one of those thousand goals or whatever number he gets to when he reach it, you know, passes Gretzky. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it yeah, it's Shane Corson and Michael Pekka. You're not leaving him for the entire penalty kill. You're glued to him <laughs> and you're making his life miserable. I don't know why teams haven't done it, but I mean, we're not coaches, I guess. And maybe Ovechkin's just that elusive with his shot. Yeah. I got to say, though, Robertson tonight, least se- or uh, lowest, second lowest uh, time on ice among forwards. Uh, he played 10.52 tonight. Ingvall had 7.49. I noticed, obviously, they mixed the lines up tonight. You had the Matthews, Marner, and, and um, JT line out there again. And I don't know, guys. Like... Robert, I know there's a big hype train on Robertson, and I think he should go on PP1 to gain some confidence because he hasn't been clicking lately. But tonight, he seemed like he was a half a step behind for me, and I really hate to be the party pooper here. Like, he... I think he was a half a step ahead. I think he was just trying to do me, too that much. That too, yeah. So worried about not getting taken off the yeah. ice, right? He, you talk about 10 minutes ice time. He, he probably wants the elevated time and thinks I got to do, do, yeah. do, do, do. When simplify your game a little bit, they did the, and I'll bring it back to that. This is my big example. When Dion Phaneuf was at his worst in Toronto, he was doing far too much and trying far too hard. And then when they finally brought his game back down and leveled him out, he became all right. Serviceable. He was never going to be what he was, but he was all right. And he was able to be traded to the yeah. Sens without retention. Yeah. So they were able to bring his game. I think Robertson just needs to simplify things. But I think he needs that big, bad boogeyman, Sheldon <laughs> Keefe, to, to let him have some time and do his thing. Because if you're nervous that you're going to lose your spot and you're a young guy, you know, it's like they're doing the Shane Wright over yeah. in oh. in Seattle. You're never going to have a guy get his confidence or footing if you don't give him the opportunity to A, play, but B, play through his warts. Because that's how guys kind of – and I know this isn't a season for that for the Leafs, but if you want this guy to be a cheap scoring option, you have to let him be in a position to be a cheap scoring mm-hmm. option. Not a 10-minute and a – Because it's either – And by the way, Pierre Ingle, 
It's either he's in a position to gain his confidence and be an effective scoring option, or he plays for the Marlies all season. There shouldn't be an in-between here where he gets 10 minutes a night, he sits on a third or fourth line for the whole season and wastes away. Like that is going to be detrimental for both sides of this. It is. I 100% agree with you. Go tear it up in the AHL. Go gain your confidence back. Do a Cole Caulfield. Come up towards the end of the season. Rip the league apart. Maybe that's what he needs to do. Um, but what they're doing right now with him, I don't know. I don't know how you get a young guy rolling if he, he's 10 minutes a night and every mistake he makes, it's, you know, boom. And he's stapled to the bench or he's slapped down to the fourth line or he's taken off this or that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I know you got to do good with the yeah. bad, but at the same time, I think sometimes you have to learn from your mistakes. And that's what Marty St. Louis is pretty good with over in Montreal. Some of the young guys, when they make mistakes, he puts them back out there to learn and play through mm-hmm. them. So the rest of this line was a little controversial as well. So this was Engvall, Yarncroke, and Robertson. Um, right? Am I wrong? Wasn't it? Um it was at one, one point. point. It was yeah. at one point. Uh, that seems like... It was bunting. Right, it was bunting line. to start, and then when they put bunting up, it was Robertson back there. Uh, either way, Robertson or bunting on that line makes absolutely no sense. They have not figured out who Callie Yarncroke is or what he's good at or what they're going to do with him. He's just kind of there. And I, I had high expectations for this guy. I Not high, but like I liked him. I think he had potential, but they have not figured out what the hell to do with him yet. And Pierre Engvall has just been asleep since the season started. I don't know, man. He had such a good end of the season. Yeah. He got paid. That's the biggest disappointment for me, honestly. And maybe I'll touch on this later on because there's a question about this. But uh, one guy who also got elevated tonight, if we want to leave on a positive note here, um, David Kampf got some time on PP2, guys. This guy does not play on the power play. So tonight, Keefe awarded him with some power play time. And yeah, it's surprising to see, right? But this fourth line slash third line, whatever you want to call them, they're excelling so much that Keefe is left with these options. Like, damn, do I elevate Malgin? Do I put another guy on this opportunity? Like, what is going to make a spark for this team, especially when you're down? It just can't result in one of these being a leftover line, which is kind of what we saw tonight, where there were three lines and it was, uh, here's the other three guys that are dressed. Like, I don't know. Realistically. See, I think the, the most... No, no, it's okay. Go ahead, James. I was going to say one of the, the best lines I've seen in the beginning of the season, and I don't know if they've gone back to it as much, but it was uh, it was Jaren Kroh, Kampf, and, um, and Engvall at one point. And then Yarncroke, Kerfoot, and Kampf as well. That was another good one that you know seemed to have down low cycle pressure, were able to take top lines off their game. They were doing great things. It seems like whatever line David Kampf is on, whoever they glued aside beside him, it seems to be a line that goes to be a bunch of worker bees, which is what you want. But, I mean, at the same time, who do you have that's going to be, I guess, your de facto fourth or third line wherever Kampf is not playing? But if you want to get the best out of Yarncroke and maybe Kerfoot, I guess if you want to put it that way, maybe that's the way you do it and have that be your shutdown line because that's something Sheldon Keefe has been wanting for a long time. He got it last year for spurts when it was Mikheyev, Kampf, and Ingwall, when Ingwall was doing really well. Uh, but Kampf has been probably the most unheralded signing in the Kyle Dubas' era because of what he's done. 
He's come in. He's been that bottom six guy that Keith has wanted. He's defensively responsible. He takes big face-offs. He works his tail off. Kills and every he penalty. Upped his offensive So he does everything asked of him for a pretty low paycheck, too. So maybe you need some more of that. I mean, there's a guy named Joey Anderson down in the uh, the minors <laughs> who might come up and do some noise. I don't know. Get, again, we're talking about Robertson playing 10 minutes a night. I'm sure you can bring up some energy guy from down in the minors to put in there and put Mr. Nick Robertson back to where he needs to be probably on a first line in the AHL. Let him rip it up, get the confidence back, get the wheels going. And but like, it, if, if you guys had to guess what line five on five had the most ice time tonight together, what forward line? Uh, I'm going to say JT Nylander and whoever was with them. Robertson. Robertson, yeah. So even though it seems like he's not, like, and I, I love Robertson. I, lo- I want him to get a chance, but he he's getting low minutes, but I think they're they're fairly decent minutes right now because he's not being stuck with Angval and Yarncroke. Like he, he's being out there the majority of his time with players of his caliber, of his ilk, that you know, he should be able to get something going. Oh, fair yeah. enough. In the second period. And I, like I said, tonight he did have a few great A chances. Yeah. There was two in specific where he stripped the puck off a guy, walked off the wall, and had a clear open lane to the net and took the shot. It just obviously didn't go in. But, I mean, those are things you want to see off a young guy where a lot of the knock on him right now is he's being run off the puck or he's been, you know, run into the boards and he's not – taking the physical abuse like he was when he first jumped in the lineup. But yeah, again, we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess, tomorrow. I guess it just came out that Matt Murray is not starting tomorrow for the Maple Leafs and Keith will not name a starter. Either. Petro Jeez, season. Petrozelli, baby. <laughs> oh, here he is. Newly promoted to VP of hockey operations of uh, Leafs late night. <laughs> Did it, Dirty <laughs> Broder? I wish I had some, like some uh, play money to just kind of throw around. And be like, yeah, like got that. <laughs> Give you that little shout Congrats, out because uh, in case anyone missed the news, uh, Martin Broder was uh, promoted to VP of Hockey Operations in charge of development and scouting and goalie development and I don't know something else. All sounds great. Um, recruiting, yeah, everything you'd want. Marty Broder in charge of. So, uh, congrats, Darty, on your promotion. <laughs> and you know, it's great that they would do, you know, they, they'd hire a guy from the storied St. Louis Blues organization, you know, longtime veteran uh, <laughs> of that organization, great goaltender, retired there, and, uh, you know, got what, eight shutouts, I think. <laughs> Something crazy like that. And, I don't know. Uh, I think he got like three or four. <laughs> and delayed Jordan Bennington starting his career by another season. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to do us all a favor you know? oh, man. So he, knew, he knew about the bottle throwing he saw that in, uh, in his high school days so he's like you know he might carry that over <laughs> so uh, Darty thanks for joining us uh, do you want to touch on did you catch the game this, uh, visually uh, I didn't catch the game visually I was listening to uh, Joe Bone and Jim Ralph and honestly in some ways I feel like I'd rather do that I know um, especially if it's going to be a, a stinker <laughs> like this and because those two guys are legendary, I know I'm sure Beaner, he's the kind of guy who probably has like an old like, you know, TV with a VHS player right beside his like, you know, brand new, uh, <laughs> you know, brand new 60 inch TV. And he's got one. T- he's got like, you know, like an old radio 
playing in the side. He's got all the different formats. So on the T on TV, he's probably got like, you know, Matt Sundin reruns on VHS. And then <laughs> on the plasma, he's probably got the game <laughs> playing. And then, and then on the radio, he's listening to Joe Bone and Jim Ralph. Right. I can just tell it. He seems, Bean seems like that kind of guy. <laughs> At, as much as I love Bowen, cause you're never going to beat that. And I will be the first one, you know, trying to start that petition to get him back on TV. Um, ever since Pierre Maguire has been taken off and then they added people like Ray Ferraro and then now Mike Johnson, like some of these broadcasts on TSN are actually a treat in game. The panel stuff still sucks, but <laughs> like, I don't think people give enough credit to people like Johnny or like Ray Ferraro that like they're incredible at what they do. Yeah. And it's not easy to do that job everybody saying oh yeah i can stand in between the benches you know shoot the breeze with the players and make a couple comments and it's all good well no because mcguire sucked at it like there's been many <laughs> people that have been there who have been horrible at it and mcguire those two like doctor robot those two guys <laughs> <laughs> and not the not the jim carrey version either <laughs> like i, I no matter what is going on, those two guys are able to be so, like so unbiased and so intellectual about everything and bring a different perspective. It's just it's such a treat to listen to. Sorry, no, I uh, I agree. Um, so the one thing that I wanted to ask Darty about the reason that I asked if he saw it was uh, we haven't touched on what happened right before the second Pittsburgh goal, which was uh, Mitch Marner had what was almost, almost, almost a breakaway. And uh, it just, like we said, the, the, the chemistry's just off, right? The passes aren't clicking. They're going to people's feet. This hit him in the feet. He couldn't get it. This would have been it. It was, it's what Sheldon Keyes has been talking about though, taking care of the puck. It's those simple little plays that should be simple little plays that are blowing up on them constantly, two or three times a game, and it's costing them. And it almost cost them again with a Zucker goal to put them up 4-2 before they scored the empty netter. And it was another giveaway, careless, just like that. Those little things, man, it, as a fan, it frustrates you. I can only imagine being Sheldon Keefe from watching Oh, we that. saw the clip. You know, we we, we got the feet of his face. They had to cut away because you just start, you see him starting to say, Jesus fucking Christ. And they just like, the TSN pops up over his yeah. face and they cut away. They're like, we can't put Sheldon Keefe on camera for more than four seconds. If maybe even two seconds without lip reading the F word from his face. <laughs> yeah. Dirty. Dirty. Sup. So for those who watched it visually, uh, did you find that these guys were dogging it as much as Joe Bone and Jim Ralph were exclaiming on the radio? Because they felt that it was a very, very slow performance. And another thing just that I'm going to touch on that's related but unrelated is that is starting the game on time, quote unquote, for, uh, Mike Babcock, is starting the game on, on time overrated? Because did we not get the first goal from, uh, from Czar? Zach Assen-Reese. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we've got six of seven wins coming from behind, so starting on time is overrated, I guess. I don't know. 
my god why do we have to do everything the hard way okay like we should start on time and play That's a full 60 but i want to change this leafy narrative like i said all of last season like let's stop leafing it and only win it and make that 82 and 0 record happen okay <laughs> But uh, to to answer your question, Darty, did were they that bad? Like there were some instances where there were just some bonehead moves and some bad turnovers, but there were also, like we've said, there was good power plays. There were some flashes of like Nylander was playing well. Marner had some good little, you know, little zip arounds and some good passes here and there. But there were just some, I don't know, some things just weren't working. No. Yeah, it wasn't working tonight. I mean, the hits 41 to 14 for the Pens. They clearly outmuscled the Leafs. Uh, the, the Pens didn't even need to get a lot of shots at on net. I mean, 30 to 23 to end the game. But coming into tonight, the Leafs or the Pens, sorry, are fifth in the league overall on most shots on goal. So you expect to get peppered, but you have to play a simple defensive game at the same time. Like so many of these plays could have been prevented. Too many two on ones, two on O's. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> Zucker and Malkin were just walking all over the defense tonight. Like, that was embarrassing. The amount of two on ones they had was, ugh. But, at the same time, like you got Shalgren letting in that third one that, oh man, you cannot let that in. Come on. Like mm. I know he's baby goalie, but like he's yeah. been, he's played a couple games now. This isn't his first rodeo. That was rough. You got to have that one back. Like if it's the first one, fine. There was a few but... plays in that game too, where you look at the back check and stuff. Um, guys getting back like Marner or um, Robertson. There's another one that I saw from, I think it was Matthews, where they're just doing like the power man, yep. <laughs> like looking like they're trying to put all the effort into it to getting back. And you know that if they had the puck on their stick, they'd be it's, gone. It's what you do so, when you're crossing the street to tell the cars that you're you're like speed walking. You do the little like, um, yeah, you're, no, 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 don't worry. I'm getting across the street quickly for you. It's I'm like, here, but I dare you to hit me. Hit me. <laughs> yeah. So I've seen that a lot tonight, like guys kind of dogging it that way, which annoys the hell out of me because you know as soon as a puck touches their stick they turn yes. on the jets and they're gone you know use a little bit of that gumption to get back break up a play get your stick in there like david Kampf, because that's what he yeah. does and you know i'd love to, i'd love to see that but it spilled over to robertson and i've seen it in a one play where he just was doing the yeah you know the power the and struggle well, i can't get there <laughs> you know so i was like yeah yeah i was a little annoyed on that stuff but I don't know. They were saying on the broadcast, one of the fastest games what? ever, you know, in the first period. Oh, it's such a fast game. The first period's almost over. Everybody must have dinner reservations or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, didn't seem that quick to yeah, me. Yeah. I mean, we also had a half hour long uh, Hall of Fame intro and everything, which we'll we'll talk about to end the show because that was actually well done. Shout out to Mike Ross for uh, a great um, presentation there who does our intro. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. But speaking of camp, the first line change I saw tonight that Keith mixed up was at the beginning of the second where actually Robertson had another awesome chance with Nylander, Kampf, and Robertson. So that was a cool combination as a second line, I guess, grouping and something we've never seen before. But... I don't know, guys. Something's not there. Like, Leafs were rested. They had three days off. Um, 
back to back, of course, but I don't know. Tonight, it just, you know, it seemed like they were competing, but like I said before, half a step behind everything and sloppy, sloppy plays. Willie was still on, though, and when they got that power play, I tweeted right before the commercial break. I said, big William Nylander power play coming up. Let's go. Power yeah, play goal yeah. from Willie. I see that. And nice. he fucking scored it. That was awesome. So that was a I was I was so mad because that was the power play where he hit the post on the inside. I was like, oh, my God, I was this close to calling who scored it. Yeah. And then he scored it anyway on the one timer. I was like, yes, it's he was, oh yeah, he was he wanted that one oh, yeah. bad. And good on Riley for pump yeah. faking there, man. Like even Nylander yeah. said in the, the break that he thought Riley was going to take the shot, but he pump faked super, you know, hard pass to Nylander. I'm so glad they didn't hesitate on that because I thought tonight as well on the power play opportunities, they stuck a lot to the outside. They could not get the puck inside at all. Like everything was getting blocked. Uh, they couldn't feed Matthews in that high bumper slot. And it was just a big fail for me. Darty, go ahead. Do you think he had the spirit of the Swedes flowing through his veins because of that, uh, that ho- hockey <laughs> yes. hall of yes. fame class? Because uh, I Absolutely. learned a lot from everything that Mike Ross was just saying during that uh, each player's introduction like that one um that one uh, sweet i'm pretty sure she was swedish or i don't know she it was she was a european um finish uh, a finish the finish uh, player or the women's did she correct me if i'm wrong did she not like have a 10-year pause in her playing career and came back and still kicked ass is that what i heard correct did we talk about that like did i miss that because that's pretty freaking amazing (laughs) that's pretty cool all right but just like, again, right. did you not say, Bean, on the uh, chat, um, going back to the Swedes, that uh, this is like an unprecedented amount of Swedes in this draft, in the draft class, but uh, Hall of Fame class? Yeah, like it's, and it, I never really thought of it before. I, haven't, I hadn't ever done the digging into it, but the the Swedish representation in the Hockey Hall of Fame is essentially doubling this year. <laughs> and, and, and you you wouldn't wow. think about that, like Salming, um Obviously, one of, if not the greatest Swedish players that has ever played the game. He was the first. And then you have Sundin and Forsberg and Lidstrom. That's it. Wow. And then th- this year you're adding three. And then P- some people argued that maybe Luongo shouldn't have even been there because a lot of people were pushing to try to maybe get Zetterberg in there as well. So it's uh, this, I think, has been a change that is slowly starting to come around and you, you see it with other people being included, like Herb Carnegie finally getting in. That is long overdue. Finally. And then they're, you know, they're starting to put more of the female players in. There needs to be a better representation of everybody because the game that we have now would not be where it is without Rika Salinan, without Haley Wickenheiser, without Herb Carnegie, without a lot of these people that don't necessarily get the proper credit. No. And, and honestly, like with all of that going on, like there might as well have just been a giant Swedish flag in the stadium. So yes, like Nylander had it flowing (laughs) through his veins tonight. And that's why when everyone looked to sleep, he was the one that was on man. I mean, not only him, but like there's a lot of Swedish players on the Leafs right now. Am I wrong? Holy shit. That's a lot. Yep. You got Willie, Lily, Sandman, <laughs> um, Shalgren, Angball, and Yarncroat. Isn't Malgan? No, Malgan's Swedish. Or Swiss, sorry. 
Swiss. Oh, okay. Uh, that's crazy. Um, Sandman had a rough game. Sorry, Beaner. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Do you want to? Do you want to try to defend him or answer for that? Unfortunately, there's not really much to defend right now. Um, I I don't know if if it was maybe the, the missed training camp, as silly as that sounds, but we saw it with Willie too when he held out right when he came back that year. He wasn't really the same for the longest time. Um, but, and his his dad had shared a picture, I guess they were able to share lunch with Bory yesterday. So that was pretty cool. Um, nice. And like anybody that knows a little bit of the history. He's such a important figure to that country. Like he is like the Gretzky of Sweden, right? Like he is ridiculously important to that country when it comes to hockey. So I don't know if, if maybe this is having a little bit of effect on Sandine or the training camp, but he not before Justin Hall, but I think he might need to sit a game or two. Like we, we need, we need to get Justin Fanoff or Dion Hall to the press box for a couple games like <laughs> yeah i mean look <laughs> last season they put him in the press box for a couple and he came back and had some of his best games i've seen him play in his career so yep. sometimes he just needs a wake-up call if that's the kind of player he is fine we've got enough defensemen that he can sit for a couple and it's not going to hurt us uh we're going a bit long here we should go to questions um because this one kind of pertains to what we're talking about that's from cali cartel on discord do we ever win the hall of fame game Banner, do you have any record of that? I mean, we know that they must have an 05 because O-Dog had the MVP trophy from it. I mean, assuming they won, he wasn't just the MVP of the losing team. I really wanted them to win just, you know, for Salming and like tonight really sent me when uh, Sittler and Sundin helped him raise his hand to oh, wave God. at the crowd. It like literally, oh, I watched that video over and over and I'm just crying. <laughs> so I, you know, the Leafs oh, let me down in that regard. But yeah, uh, Beaner, what do you what do you have for that? Um, I, I don't really have any any set stats on it. I know we have one. A couple of them, I I seem to recall doing okay against the Rangers in a couple of these games. Um, going back to like the first couple years of the Matthews era, if I'm just remembering correctly off the top of my head, um, I think part of it is the spectacle of everything, right? Because the Hall of Fame being in Toronto, whether or not there's a Maple Leaf aspect to the class that's going in, it's a Maple Leaf event. So these these Hall of Famers are coming in, they're meeting players, and it's 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 a distraction in a city that doesn't need any more distractions. Mm, fair. fair. Like I, I don't think it shouldn't be used as an excuse. There should be no excuse for it, but I think it's just one of them weird things, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um next question was from Sarwa. Do we have to do this? <laughs> I mean, that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where to start. How much but, time do you have, Sarah? Um, do <laughs> uh, like I don't even know. I'm trying to pull something out of that to talk about, but it's just pretty broad. Do we have to do this? Do we have yes, to? We do lose. Uh, always here. How about this? Do we always have to fight back from behind to win games? Because that seems to be like what we're always doing. Do we have to do that? 
can we like we don't you know, have, have a starting goalie in a game and start with the lead and finish with the lead like is that so much to ask <laughs> why is that so hard okay next it's not so hard to ask i guess i mean the leafs did score the first goal tonight it's just again it goes back to what we talked about not even 10 minutes ago about puck management and you know play management and all that stuff those little things add to big things which cause you problems which put you behind so yep. i don't know i think beaner said it what was it we've won seven games playing from behind or something like six that. six of seven six of seven so i mean maybe they like it i don't know <laughs> maybe it's something that gets them going in the maybe. morning kind of like a fight you're gonna get punched in the face to feel like you're in a fight <laughs> maybe you need to go down a goal to feel like you're in a hockey game i don't know but I mean, at that same respect, I didn't get to say this yet, but I'm still beating the drum very hard that I hope they break up Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and put JT and Marner back together. I want to see it. I think that you'll see some inspired hockey from those guys because they'll A, want to play together again, but B, they also gel well with the other guys they get to play with. So maybe that'll inspire. You know what? Let's go ultimate chaos. Let's put JT and Matthews together and throw Marner and Nylander. Like if you're it, it for some reason, whatever it is, I don't know if, if Mitch's Halloween costume was better than Austin's this year, or <laughs> if they hosted the par- party at, in the summer at the wrong cottage, like something happened. And for some reason or another, they're not clicking right now. So I do agree. Yes. Let's break it up because it's early in the season. And you know, even though everybody says regular season doesn't matter. So that's maybe that's why they're not starting on time. Or maybe that's why they're always playing from behind because these games don't matter. Right. They've been, everyone's been telling them that all summer, like try to find a way to win and move on yeah, to the next. Try one. to get more out of all your players, like throw it all around because when it, you're never going to know what you have. You're never going to know what you're going to be capable of until you've tried a little bit of everything. If you're down a goal in, you know, game seven of round one and you need to tie it up or you need you want that game winning goal, yes, it'd be nice to be able to go Matthews Marner, Nylander, or whatever. But who knows, you might be able to find something. Maybe you throw Matthews and Austin Reese together. And Austin Reese becomes the Kunitz to Matthews' Crosby. Like you, you don't know what's out there until you try. Look at what happened with us with bunting last yep. year. Just if you're going to try to get the most out of this lineup, you've got to do a little bit of tinkering. Yeah, I'm really surprised Keith hasn't reunited Matthews, Nylander, and Marner and JT again, especially after he did that change in the Carolina. You know, we won three one after being down so much on the shot on the shot board, and like he made that change in the second period and the game just reversed in the least favor and in the Vegas game you know being you know toe-to-toe throughout the game except in OT you drop it but he didn't make that change he went with the the top three guys JT Matthews Nylander and I was like "Uh, really like I don't know I was kind of surprised about that and this game again he did it so we know Keith is super stubborn right like he has to see it from every other angle before making a move it seems but I hope to see this change next game for sure especially to start the game off that would be nice agreed Steph you've got some uh some questions on your side of Twitter you want to bring those up before we head out 
Yeah, we have a question from cautiously optimistic Spurs fan at <laughs> Steve Steele 23. What are you guys seeing that makes you feel better about this team than last year? Good question. Well, start it off with you, James. I'm really interested to hear your uh, your response. Just because I hear I listen to these guys all the time, so <laughs> let's hear a new new take. Love you guys. Well, let me rip one off like it's prediction season here. I'm fired up because these guys are actually going to bat for one another this year, a lot more than last year. You had Mark Giordano spear a guy the other night. Um, you watch Bunting going after guys. Yarn Croak's in there. Zach Aston Reese is in there. These guys are actually taking after one another and looking after one another more than they did last year. Now, is it every single time? No. Would I like to see more of it? Yes. But is it actually happening this year? Are these guys actually taking runs at other guys and doing things? Yes. Look at Timothy Lilligren tonight. He threw a hit on a guy who threw a hit on one of his guys. It's just those things I like to see, though, because so many times a guy gets knocked down, everybody skates by. Or, you know, there's something going on with your star player and uh, the refs will get to it or whatever. But this year it seems like there's more chirpiness. There's more stick swinging. There's more, I don't know, what do you want to call it, you know, uh, there's a saying that I was going to say, but I won't. You know, it just seems to be like the guys are actually into it uh, for one another. And I like that. And one thing that I listened to Sheldon Keefe say, too, about these guys is he wants them to keep their smile. As corny <laughs> as that sounds, it means he wants them to have fun. When is Mitch Marner at his best? It's when they're having fun. And this team seems to be having fun when they're gelling and having fun together. So how do you come together? You stick up for one another and do things as a team. And the other night when they were playing, I think it was the Flyers, and Giordano did the big spear thing, and Bunting was going yeah. after Konecki <laughs> as well. That galvanized them. They were all together in that one. It was Everybody was barking. Everybody was getting into it. That is something there that I see different from last year. That's ratcheted up a little bit. And I think they will find ways to add different elements to this roster throughout the season, whether it's from the Marlies or from another team where they add some more of that uh, bite to this lineup. But I think that's one thing that I'm noticing mm -hmm. right now that is different. And that's something the Leafs need, especially Austin Matthews and guys like Mitch Marner, just to kind of stand up and puff your chest a little bit. And you don't have to fight, but you got to show that you're not going to take any crap. Yeah. And then you got to have guys that will have your back that will do the extra dirty stuff which is the fights or, you know, dragging a guy down to the ice and stuff like that so you don't get hurt in the melee. Yeah. But those are things that I'm seeing this year that is different than last year, but it needs to be consistent. Mm -hmm. So hopefully they, they figure that bit out. And maybe if they change the lines, like you said, like they did in Carolina, maybe that starts to be the thing that yeah. happens. You know, get some flow Joe going. Yeah. Do you guys have any points to add to that? That was a really... You're reading no, I mean, my covered, mind, a, covered a lot. The, I, I think the thing that I'm most excited for this year over last year is just that the team on paper has more skill and more knowns than unknowns. I know there's a lot of gambles that Dubas took, especially in net. Um, but I think as far as like the beginning of last year, we didn't know who Bunting was going to be. We had Nick Ritchie in the lineup. We didn't know what we were going to get out of Engvall and Mikheyev, and there were still a lot of question mark guys. I think this year, it's though we've still been juggling the bottom six around, I think there's a lot more 
um, pieces that I feel confident about. And it's just about finding how they fit together. Then last year was like, I don't know what we've got. Let's just cycle through guys until we find out who actually can play hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Let's staple Nick Ritchie to the first line. Exactly. Right. So that's the thing that I'm more excited for this year. It's just that it's a better looking team. You don't have, you're not putting so much pressure on a 40 year old Jason Spezza to carry the entire bottom six. Like, it just things seem like there's a bit more of a plan. Anybody else want to stab this before we go? Darty's been patiently waiting. Go for it. <laughs> Which is unusual. But uh, <laughs> at first, first of all, I just want to say welcome, James, because this is the Split Marner and Matthews fan club HQ. All right. I've been saying this for all, <laughs> over a month now. So you've come to the right place for that conclusion. Um, I had a, a point to bring up because it usually is thrust upon me. It's not usually myself that comes up with this point. But Bean, I've been paying attention to this fabulous website called Money Puck and this wonderful creation called the Deserve to win meter Okay, the Leafs have lost two games now that they've de- apparently deserved to win, and they win uh, the, 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 the Carolina game they won. They did not deserve to win that game. So can anybody explain to me what the fuck is going on with that math there? Like what... What is so bad about the Leafs try, apparently trying a little bit harder? Like, I feel like the when you're reading these stats, at least on whatever this deserve to win meter thing is on Money Puck, if the Leafs can push just enough to 60%, they're more likely to win the game. But if they're only pushing just up to 50%, you know, 55, they're probably going to stink it up and lose. Like, <laughs> isn't that like this mind boggling math? All right? I, I don't. So I, I don't want to completely throw this all on Shalgren. But if you look at some of the other stats, like his goal saved above expected tonight was minus 1.25. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you go deep, like down the rabbit hole into the stats, a lot of the times we just, we, we haven't been getting a lot of the saves. Like it, save. and it, yeah. it, you don't have to be, Vasilevsky you don't have to be Dominic Hoshik you just got to be Grant Fuhr like Grant Fuhr was one of the the considered one of the most money goalies in the world like to ever play the game but he routinely let two or three in a game you just gotta stop one exactly more you guy. have to yep. stop them at at the right time and Shogren's done great for what's been thrust upon him um just that's like it, it's such a good thing that you know, Dubis didn't take a gamble on. I can't even remember what was that goalie's name that everybody was saying that we should sign for this year. Who's got a eight seventy three save percentage right now through ten games? Um, <laughs> Jack Superman. Yuck. Jack is elite. Jack Campbell is elite. I think is what Steph used to call him. Like bottom of the ocean, I, Jack. I, I, I'll come right out and say I loved Jack. As a as a Leaf, he played all, great. But maybe this needs to make people realize that the Leafs aren't as bad defensively as everybody says they are. Like, no, look at what he's doing in Edmonton with everybody. Oh, Edmonton's got such a good decor. They've got Darnell nurse. They've got this, they've got that. Like they've got Tyson Berry and Cody CC. It's the Leafs circa 2019. (laughs) Like, yeah, whatever ones aren't on the Sens are on the Oilers. Yeah. And it, Yes, we should have maybe got a little better puck luck in some of these games, but we're also still doing it to ourselves in a sense, if that makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. If we have Sammy and Nat for some of these, or knock on wood, I like Marty and I were kind of pumped about Murray coming over because you know the the history there with him growing up a Leaf fan, with him training with John Elkin, like. I still am cautiously optimistic about him having a half decent season when he comes back. I think he's going to have like a the, the, the days of, of Marty Broder, Marty, not dirty playing 72 games a year are, are gone, right? Like it, you can't do that anymore and still be successful. So you're going to need multiple guys to come in and with the mix of a little bit of lackadaisical play, some, bad giveaways here and there and then you know one or two pucks that probably should have been saved our record would be completely different mm-hmm. totally agree i i've really liked sonar's game and that's what i've nicknamed samson off this year because he's tracking the puck well so i called him sonar on ice why not um i like the way he plays and i can't wait for him to get back between the pipes for the leaves i think he was making those key saves when the Leafs needed to be held into a game or drug back into a game, he would make that big save, spark everybody up, and get rolling. I think when you look at Eric Schalgren, yes, he's making saves, but it's the same old thing that we used to have when Hutchinson was in net. If you looked at the teams in front of him, it was the nervousness of, oh, shit, we made one mistake. It's going in our net. We can't make that one mistake. And then everybody starts bobbling the puck and having problems. So maybe a little bit of that creeps in, you know, where they're not so comfortable with Chagrin, where they are just getting comfortable with Samsonov. Same thing will probably happen with Murray when he comes back, Mm -hmm. you know, getting the feel for what he does. But there hasn't been, again, we talked about line continuity. There hasn't been goaltender continuity this season, really. You know, so when I started rolling with it, then he got hurt. Now it's Shogren. Murray was supposed to be the guy. So these guys are trying to get their setups going and they just can't. Yeah, Sammy's good for one soft goal game we've established. But honestly, he's been the star for the Toronto Maple Leafs so far this season. Uh, I hope Murray comes back healthy and uh, has a chance to shine as well. But totally agree with you, James, uh, about the Leafs this year. They have a snarl, right? Like that newfound snarl that we haven't seen from past years, you know, defending your teammates and such. But just to move on really quickly, last couple questions combined into one uncommon sense at argo pop says mr ingval wants to know if it's possible to be the best defensive player in the nhl as well as the worst defensive player in the nhl at the same time and mike at the fanatic also says ingval kerfoot yarn what are we doing here seriously so just to tie those two together and we've already spoken about it a little bit but man I mean, this is the biggest disappointment for me this year so far is Mr. Ingvall, who once had a snarl and a beast with from within from his game at the the second half of last year. I mean, this guy a has snarl. Like, I was making giraffe noises all oh last season God. for this guy. Right? I haven't like done that have, once this year. There has been no giraffe noise on this pod this year, and that is the biggest disappointment so far this season. Like, I want to be applauding this guy's name. I want him to unleash the beast, as I've been saying all season long. But he has not. He's been playing his way out of the lineup in comparison to last year, where he played his way into the lineup being injured again during preseason. 
So what is going on there? I absolutely agree with you, Mike, and on common sense. I don't know. He he's a six foot five player that plays the game like he's a kicker in the NFL who can't be touched. Like he, he just <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I, you you see, and, and you see a perfect example of the complete opposite with Dennis Mulligan. Like Mulligan's yeah. like my height, and he's going in the corners and knocking guys off the puck and getting better body position before he goes into the corners to steal that puck away. We know Engvall has the size. We know he has the strength and the capability to do it. He's just not doing it. Engvall's like, ew, ugh, ew, someone's close to me. I'm not going to go there. Like, hey, just... Use your weight, use your size, use your reach, use your long fucking neck and get the fuck in that scrum and get the puck. And he's built like a gronk too, right? He's not like no scrawny guy under that pad. He's a thick guy, man. He's got some muscle to him. Him and David Camp, Mr. No Cheat yeah. Meal, man. You know, the two of them are beasts. Love it. Like, I don't understand why he doesn't do it. It's like it's the Freddie Goche effect, I guess. Freddie the Goat. He's too, he's, he's too handsome, that's why. All right? He just doesn't want anybody. Jizzle face of stone, doesn't want to get it messed up. Oh, man. Um, also, just before we get out of here, um, did anyone notice that uh, I think it was they asked people who they were most excited to to be in the Hall of Fame with, and like all of them said, Matt Sundin. Yes, amazing. Even Daniel Alfredson, that was awesome. Like, okay, I don't know how old some of our listeners are, but Daniel Alfredson and Matt Sundin's rivalry was like one of my favorite parts of my childhood. Like. The whole I remember this hour has 22 minutes, I think, doing a thing where there was like a guy they were interviewing who had like, you know, the the where you have like the headband where you can put something on either side. So it looks like you got something through your head. They had like a guy with a stick through his head. Yeah. and He was supposed to like be playing the person who got hit in the head with Sundin's stick. He's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he was really nice about it. He came and apologized and signed the stick for me. Uh, wow. It was really good. But further to that story was Alfredson faked it. You know, it's a whole thing. Look it up. Yeah. It was, it, that was a wicked time. The Battle of Ontario in the playoffs. I was hoping Ottawa would do well this year. Same with the, the Leafs being up there so they could have that Battle of Ontario again. Because that was fun. There was celebrities yeah. getting in on it. Adam Sandler made in a, an Ottawa diss track. Who was uh, Ottawa good diss track. I guess it is, really. The thing that... Yeah, the injuries have really hurt them the last couple of years, eh? Yeah, the, the the thing a lot of people don't realize about the Battle of Ontario back then too, sorry, just wanted to touch on that a little bit, okay. is like, it, it wasn't like these were two teams that were middle of the pack and, you know, slugging it out. Like, Ottawa was a President's Trophy team. Like, they were one of, if not the best teams in the league, as much as it pains me to say that. And for some reason or another, the Leafs had their number in the playoffs. As odd as that sounds, believe me, that but happened. the Sens had their number through the regular season. Yeah, what does everybody say right now? The regular season doesn't matter, right? Well, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember any of the regular season no, it, games. It doesn't but, matter. But it was always so frustrating because you're like, "Oh, it's Ottawa. You know, you're going to lose in the regular season. The playoffs would roll around. Ottawa fans would be so pumped because their team would be I can, so good, unbeatable. They'd say, and then the Leafs would go in there and just. I will, I will never lose the image in my head of Joe Newendike skating over the blue line, winding up for an old school Rick Vive clapper and just making Patrick the Leem look like me and that. Like, just it. <laughs> so good. Nice. So good. I'll never lose uh, the image of yeah, Brian McCabe nice. scoring on his own net, though, Bean. <laughs> <laughs> 
you, you can't forget Vesa Toskala letting the bouncer go in from behind uh, behind the <sighs> Islanders' net, right? <laughs> that was brutal. For me in the Battle of Ontario stuff, though, it was uh, Curtis Joseph freaking out and taking out the referee. <laughs> <laughs> that the was the Carolina one. series. Was it the Carolina? I thought it was the Ottawa series. I know there was red yeah. jerseys. So. 2002 versus Carolina. Sorry. This guy's a right in the corner. <laughs> uh, which Nerd. minute of play be? I love it. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Language so, uh, anything we want to touch on? Okay. Here, actually, last thing I wanted to to say. Um, we don't have to spend too much time on this because we're way over. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets are a literal disaster. Speaking of teams plagued by injuries, Zach Wierenski is now out for the entire season. They put like three other guys on injury reserve, and uh, I just want to give a congratulations to Johnny Gaudreau for picking the absolute worst team he could have signed with in the offseason. <laughs> You, you know why for why this is happening, though? Why? Because in his last five games for the Regina Pats in the WHL, Connor Bedard has 17 points. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm sorry. How many of those are goals? Um, Six. Okay. Uh, who's scoring them? So he has 18 points. Or, eight, sorry, 18 games played. 16 goals and 23 assists for 39 points in 18 games. It, it, it is. They're, they're video game numbers. Now, I'm not saying that's why all these players are getting hurt. I was just kind of trying to be funny there. But that's not why the guys are getting hurt, but it's why the Columbus Blue Jackets are sending their prospects back down to the AHL instead of keeping them with the team because they're like, all right, pack it in. This season's done. Thir- yeah, sorry, guys, 13 go games into we'll the season, they're packing it in and going for Bedard. And this team is one to watch for the tank because they weren't supposed to go for it, but they have not only their first round pick, but they have Chicago's first round pick too. So Chicago's also bad. You could see the Columbus Blue Jackets picking twice in the top 10. Ouch. Imagine if they get one and two. <laughs> With Patrick Line and Johnny Gaudreau, like this team, and like they could go overnight from broken and hopeless to the most stacked team in the league. Yeah, they started off with the... no defensemen. Well, they started off the season with no goalies, right? They had yeah. no Elvis. They had no uh, Corpusalo. They were using Tarasov for a little while, and then their goalies became uh, healthy, and now we have Jacob Voracek, Corrali, Danforth, Blakenberg. You have Boquist on uh, long-term injury reserve. Then there's another guy that I've never heard of, actually, Lunto. And, but the big thing here, too, is uh, Textier. He's out for substance abuse and behavior health program. So there's a lot of things going on in this team. Like, I don't know. I... Yeah, Yarmo Kekalani was right. The, the culture in Columbus is great. <laughs> <laughs> they have lots of fun. <laughs> oh, God. I just Party feel bad for Bedard. Over there. Like, now he knows, like, where he's going, basically. And it's, like, it's almost like getting drafted by, like, like the second life or something. <laughs> like, knowing you're going to be playing hockey Honestly, if I'm him, <laughs> I... <laughs> go to... It's, like, the Columbus Blue Jackets, are you saying they're, like, the University of Phoenix of the NHL? Uh, yeah, but honestly, if you're going to get drafted to like Chicago or Arizona or some bottom feeder team, I'd rather go to Columbus, I guess. But uh, Beaner, go ahead. Um, just uh, I've got a couple 
this day in Leafs histories, not necessarily just for today. Okay. But um, for this week, I wanted to touch on the one after the Vegas Golden Knights game, but alas, I passed out. <laughs> so <laughs> that one is, is a very important one for the Leafs. So on November 8th of 1924, can you guys guess what happened? For the Leafs, this is just Leafs, not NHL. 1924? Yes. Um, Bauer enlists... No, 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 no. I'm thinking about something else. Johnny Never Bauer mind. is born. Whoa. Yes, Johnny Bauer. I was thinking about... Jo- you know what? I was thinking about him lying about his age and enlisting in the army, but I'm like, no, that's way too soon. Way too soon. The 20s? No, that was in the 40s. So, um, wow. Yep, so, uh, legendary Leaf goalie Johnny Bauer was born on November 8th back in 1924, would go on to win four Stanley Cups with the Leafs, and not only is he one of the greatest goalies to ever play the game, he's probably one of the greatest people that you would have ever had the chance to meet if you did ever get to meet him, which luckily I did a couple times. Nice. Um, and then the other one, there's a little sound clip I want to play because of it. And this one happened back in 1996. Hextall versus Pop Band, one of yes. the most. Oh, <laughs> as much as I've I've been a, a proponent of, you know what? Maybe fighting needs to start taking a little bit of a step back and get away from some of it. As we all learn more about head trauma and stuff like that, every now and then you got to go a little meathead and watch that video. Like Ron Hextall was one of the most feared goalies in the NHL. He would fight anybody. There's videos out there of him chasing Chris Chelios down the rink with his stick, ready to kill the guy. And (laughs) Felix Potvin was this quiet little goaltender from Quebec who nobody assumed would have any chance whatsoever. Hextall flies down the rink and then Potvin not only held his own, he fed it to him. Won that fight. Martin Baron even jokes that Hextall would say that after that moment, he became allergic to cats. Like, (laughs) (laughs) just i like that just a a a silly little it didn't really have like any major outcomes we didn't win the cup or anything because of it but it is definitely something in maple leafs lore that is is something to remember i hope that we will you know even if fighting isn't a thing anymore in the future I love a good goalie fight. So if you want to let any players on the teams fight, let the two goalies go at it just for shits and giggles. Since, you know, the NHL focuses on entertainment so much, man, that's your entertainment right there. I like that idea. I like that idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Darty, you want to go ahead and then we're, uh, we got to call it a night here. We're almost at an hour and a half. <laughs> No worries. I just wanted to bring up because uh, I really appreciate anytime anybody talks about uh, Johnny Bauer and like it's, you know it was cool that Beaner brought up something that I didn't know about like that off the top of my head. Like again, you know sometimes you miss these things. But the one thing that I do know about uh, uh, Johnny Bauer is that that's not even his real name, and he's got like a pretty like so, a pretty cool past, pretty cool story, and he's also Ukrainian as well. I didn't. I don't know if he is. Is he the best Ukrainian uh, Canadian player uh, for the Leafs? <laughs> Probably. I can't name another one, just so like, probably. Just like very, you know, you just, you, you know, you wouldn't expect it because, you know, you just think, oh, Johnny Bauer just sounds like a, you know, 
classic good old Canadian, you know, white boy, but he's also, you know, timely, timely in the sense, you know, we're, we're you know, big news out, out of Ukraine recently, right? Like the Russia's moving out in some places and, you know, they're, they're doing, they're doing some sort of uh, winning. So, you know, as I said, like, uh, I always want to shout out some Ukrainian heritage here, but I was reading about Johnny Bauer and I always thought it's so crazy that he taught himself how to play hockey using a branch as a stick <laughs> and made himself goalie pads oh at God. old mattresses, made himself goalie pads at old mattresses. All right. That's just, that's pretty beauty. They didn't, nice. they didn't use pucks. They used cow patties. Oh yes. My God. They needed a puck. They followed a cow or a horse around until it let one go. Right. Oh my Lord. Okay. That's a good place to call it a night. James, <laughs> tell the people where they can find you. Do the plug thing. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter on Offside Talk, as long as Twitter decides to stay alive. <laughs> uh, then you can find me over on TikTok. It's Offside T-O-K. Uh, we're everywhere. We just have fun before the games. We do our podcast twice a week, Wednesdays and Sundays. And you can always find me uh, chatting it up with the, the Least Late Night crew, too. Uh, always love what you guys do and love supporting you guys. So appreciate you guys having me on and let me talk about my stuff and join us for some Leafs talk. It's been long, long overdue and hopefully I get the invite back sometime. Oh yeah, thanks for joining us. And Offside Talk, that is the most clever TikTok name. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't taken, so I took it as quick Beautiful. as I could. All right. Um, on that, happy Remembrance Day, everybody. Um, thank you to all of those who serve. And have a lovely evening. We're probably, well, we might be back tomorrow. We'll see. I like to keep things, uh, keep keep you on your toes. You never know if we're going to be here or not. <laughs> it's going to be a surprise. Yeah, Bean. Have you missed the Sandine episode? What the hell? <laughs> Lilligren. Well, Lilligren, sorry. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Hi, Marty. <laughs> I was wondering what.